You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, everyone. This, as the voice in the intro says, is the Horizons Church Podcast. That voice is Fred Guidi. You all don't know him. Do you? You're missing out. That. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. Okay, that's true. You're listening to the Horizons Church podcast. Yeah. That's my very greedy interpretation. I can if email podcast at horizonschurch.net and send me a video of you, and I will interp- I, interpret. Impression. Impre- I will be. I can't. You'll imitate. Imitation. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. I can imitate. Uh, I, yeah. I do that. Yeah, they'll come in droves. I can feel it. I can imitate my friend Ethan, who's obviously with me today on the podcast. My womb to the tomb friend. That's right. Every time. Every time. He is here with me. He is a great friend. Well, I you appreciate know? that. He's a truly he is a truly wonderful friend. We <laughs> have been friends for a long time. Truly. That's that phrase of ours is not just weird. It's not just weird. It is weird, but it's also accurate. <laughs> Our mothers attended the same childbirth class. We go back to pre-birth. The womb. Like, that's why we, we say that. We were connecting on an ephemeral level yeah. before we were born. Like our mom spoke and one of us kicked. <laughs> it was... Okay. <laughs> like when... <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd John pick up on... the Baptist. That's a theology joke. <laughs> Speaking of friends, mm-hmm. of which Ethan is a good one. Appreciate it. Appreciate we're, you. <laughs> I, Appreciate you. I don't mean to laugh. That's a kind sentiment. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, today I just I'm I'm always laughing at the beginning of the podcast. It's good. You know, today we're talking about how to respectfully and effectively pursue friends. Yeah, that was a real segue. We For Christ, just wasting your time. No, we were not. We are the master of the transitions, mm. like Steve, like Steve Felder. We are. We're the master of the turn. <laughs> I'm not. He'd be ashamed of this right now. <laughs> no, you know, we've been, uh, if you've been following along with what's going on at the church recently, we've been in a series called Stolen. We've been looking at the different ways that atheism has to quote unquote steal from God in order to argue against him. If you want to follow along with that, you can, you know, if you've been to the church, you've been following along. And if you want to catch up, you can check out the sermons on Vimeo. But it has led us to this interesting place where someone asked me a question, and I thought it kind of tied in nicely, because when you're talking to, say, your non-Christian friends, right, of which I'm sure most of you have some, I'm guessing most of them are not going to start a conversation with you that goes something like, well, I don't believe in God because the law of causality, (laughs) you know? Like, I mean, maybe they do. Maybe, you. I mean... Um, They're not my friends. (laughs) It's like, get out of here, you sick scientific freak, philosophical freak. Um, No, Ethan's Ethan's intelligent. He he doesn't say that. Thanks for that (laughs) save. (laughs) But, you know, most of the people you're talking to that are not Christian, Mm -hmm. that are in your friend group, probably aren't having conversations with you like that. In fact, most of their hang-ups with the Christian faith are probably more or less emotionally related. Mm -hmm. And would you say that's fair? Absolutely. So that brings to light the question, well, how do I talk to them? Like, how is this? uh, I think there was this kind of idea that I don't think I was taught it necessarily, but it 
snuck into my head at some point that as a Christian, I have to turn every single conversation into something about Jesus. No matter how far reaching or convoluted the link is, like, you know, we're at like, you know, a football game and, you know, everybody's (laughs) cheering and it's like, well, if only we cheered like this for Jesus, you know, you'd be like, or, you know, something like that. Or like, (laughs) you know, you think your team winning the Super Bowl makes you happy. Well, put your faith in Jesus. You'll be winning the Super Bowl for eternity. Oh, no. I mean, you know, like that kind of a thing where it's like, I got like, you know, nervous sweat running down your head. Like I have to talk to my friends about Jesus. Yeah. Like that though. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be really transparent with you. Never once in my life that I approach it like that. That's good because that's... It's just there. It is It is painfully transparent in the worst way. Yeah. Like, it's I mean... It's like the most artificial thing I think you can... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's... The, it, it's like going to Sunday school and they're like, when you come back next week, you better have evangelized one friend. Eventually, you run out of friends. Eventually, and if you're like, me, it's like a month later. <laughs> you got the nervous sweat, you know, the pit stains. Which and, is always. You no, know, and oh, always? Did you say always? I'm nervous. Always. I am nervous. I've been nervous for 25 years. <laughs> so anyway, so that brings to light this question, well, how do we? You know, because yeah. we don't want our non-Christian friends to perish apart from Christ. You know, like that is a, that is a natural desire. So... That brings to mind this question, well, how do we do it? And I think that's what we we want to engage and talk about a little bit today. And by no means is this, of course, like any of our podcasts, is exhaustive. By no means is it going to cover every possible... It's a taster. Yeah, it's a it's a taster, did you say? I did. <laughs> like that's a, a thing. That's a phrase. It is? What does that mean? Oh, stop. Pause. What does that mean? What does that mean? It, what, like taster, like it's like it's a sampling. A sampling. Mm-hmm. Oh, so see now, you guys, you're not just learning how to pursue your friends for Christ. You're learning taster. You're learning vocabulary. This has been vocabulary moment with Ethan Bolton. Trademark. Da 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 da. I like that. That's gonna become a thing right there. Anyway, so the question is, so how do we do that? So here, here are a couple things that I think are good to keep in mind as you are thinking through this, you know, maybe you're thinking about, you got someone in your head right now that you're thinking, oh yeah, you know, they're not a Christian and I'd love to think through how I can engage with them in a, in an authentic and Jesus honoring way that maybe plants the seed for them to come to faith in Jesus. And these are in no particular order, right? But here's the first one Mm -hmm. that I think is good to consider. And it should be obvious. And that is just be a good friend. That's a great first point. <laughs> Just be a good friend. When you think of being a good friend, mm-hmm. what do you think of, Ethan? Oh, my. I think what this encapsulates is is a lot of good practices for healthy relationships, mm. like being a good listener yes. or, you know, communicate, like showing the person that they matter to you, that they're important to mm-hmm. you and kind of investing in that relationship, regardless of the highs and lows, being able to be there for the person, to celebrate mm-hmm. with them, to hurt with them. Yes. As you would any friend, any person close in your life that you care very much for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's like you got Proverbs seventeen seventeen. I think encapsulates what you just said very well. It says a friend loves at all times yeah. and a brother is born for adversity. I, I meant and, to set you up for that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the, I, I think there's this uh, part of friendship that looks at a person and says, you know, whether you're Christian or not, you're still made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And 
when you're going through rough times, good times. I'm just going to be there, and I'm going to be there for you as I would any friend or anyone that mm-hmm. I, I cared about. Absolutely. And I think drawing off of something that you said, you know, just being with there with them when they're hurting yeah. or they have questions or things going on in their lives, man, those are the moments when I think you're like at the most fruitful possibility of people getting a sense of who Jesus is through your just being there and listening mm-hmm. and, and the words of Paul weeping with those who weep. Because I think the temptation for us in moments like that, we're already guilty of it with our Christian friends, but oh, I think yeah. in particular, maybe with our non-Christian friends, it's like, this is an opportunity to put the Bible on the, you know, like, yeah. you know, they're like something terrible. they've happened. never heard it before. Right. And, you know, something terrible has happened in our lives and you're like, well, don't you know, child, God works all things together for good. Like that. Yeah. For one, like when you're in the middle of hurt, this is just general friendship advice. Like that is a beautifully true statement from Romans 8, right? Beautifully true. That sustained me through a lot. Mm -hmm. But when I'm going through something and I'm in like the dark night of my soul, Mm -hmm. I don't want you coming and like, you know, plastering me with Bible verses and, you know, just cheer up. Yeah. Like I know that in the back of my head anyway. Mm -hmm. I just need someone who can be there and understand I'm hurting. It's invalidating. Right. It is. And when you do that, I think in particular to your non-Christian friends. It doesn't exactly make Jesus look good. Right. And I think what they'll get a feeling that you're just trying to, in most cases, I think you don't want to enter into discomfort and Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to be in this. They'll sense that. And they'll also, I think that goes wrong with just being a good friend is they'll, you said this earlier. I mean, they'll they'll know when you're being phony and you're just, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, talking about Jesus just to, you know, fulfill your quota of talking about Jesus to uh, other people, non-Christians. We're going to get more into that later. But I I think there is something really, really true to what we're saying here. And what Solomon was saying in that proverb is that, you know, a friend loves at all times. Like that's a pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty good demonstration of who Jesus is. I mean, they're going to see that pretty even if they don't recognize what it is, they're yeah. going to see something in that that's that's valuable that they appreciate. And I think that's something that's really important to keep in mind mm-hmm. when you're thinking about that. So you're not forcing anything. You're just being a good friend, treating them like you would anyone else. Saying Absolutely. you can. So that's the first thing I think is just be a good friend. The second thing that I think is important to keep in mind that is again, it's may, maybe this is obvious, but I have a feeling it's very neglected. I know that I'm not as on top of it as I should be, um, is just pray for them. Like when you were spending time in prayer with the Lord and you're thinking about, you know, I've got this friend that doesn't know Jesus, (laughs) pray for them. Like, I I think that's a pretty straightforward and easy thing, quote unquote, easy thing to do, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you think of the apostle Paul, golly, he was praying for all kinds of people. In fact, He went so far in Romans to say, he was talking about his kinsmen, the Jews, right, who didn't believe in Jesus. He was saying, I could wish myself accursed for the sake of my brothers in the flesh that they might know the Lord. That's a pretty strong sentiment. That's a big statement. You know, and I mean, you, you think about the gravity of that. And of course, you know, point being that Paul couldn't do that. And he said, I could wish myself, but that's not the way the Lord works. But I mean, that, that's a pretty strong demonstration of yeah. love. And mm-hmm. you got to wonder how many moments he spent in prayer for them and in anguish over them. And I think, I think in, 
in a weird way, this this is really, really lowering the bar. Like, this is a private behind-the-scenes yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't risk anything to mm-hmm. do this. Right. But your time. Right. And, I mean, it may be one of those things where your prayers behind the scenes, so to speak, open doors and opportunities, yeah. genuine doors and opportunities that you don't have to force, you know, like that we so awkwardly try to do. And the Holy Spirit may start revealing things to them that you would never be able to do. Mm. Or through your prayers, somebody else might be put in their lives that might be able to help them along on this. But I do think that's interesting. You said it's kind of like lowering the bar almost like, you know, this is... This is just something that you're, you know, you're already praying. Yeah. Like You don't even have to be like a decent friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, I pray for that person that cut me off today in traffic. Have mercy on them. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a big one is just you pray for them. The third thing I think to keep in mind is you need to let your love for Christ be genuine. Uh, which yeah. is... That's a good point. You know, this, I think this goes back to that kind of they'll be able to detect that yeah. phoniness. Yeah. Like if you are just talking about Jesus because you feel it's your religious obligation mm-hmm. to talk about him. Yeah. But when you're not talking to them, you're not like, you're not thinking about him. You're not concerned about him. You know, he's, he's, he's not the center of your life. He happens to, you know, come and go and you're thinking, Oh, I have a friend who, you know, I don't want to go to hell. So I better, you know, <laughs> talk about Jesus. I mean, they will be able to feel that phoniness. Yeah. You, you know? think you're hiding it? You're You're not. No. You're like, really not. That is a, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of like an illustration or analogy for this. It's just so different. And so, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't even have words. You need to like make sure your love for Christ is genuine. If your love for Jesus is is so real and so authentic and you are so centered on him in your heart anyway, there are moments where that naturally will spill over in authentic and not forced ways. Here's where I think we kind of stink at this as American Christians. I pick on Western Christians all the time because we need to be picked on. I mean, you think about moments in your life where you're going through difficulty, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it could be someone that you care about is suffering or you're, you know, I mean, you got a bad medical diagnosis or just things in your life are going terribly wrong. And you maintain your love for Jesus. There's this like difficulty, there's a storm, there's this wrestling happening inside of you and you're wrestling it out with God and you're having your moments, but there's this like real love for him that says, no, I'm I'm clinging to the promises of God and Mm -hmm. I love him. And, He's done so much for me, and he'll continue to sustain me. And your friends see that. They see how you Mm -hmm. are being carried through suffering and adversity. They're going to take note of that. And it's funny, this is the kind of thing that when I was in high school, youth pastors around the area, I think, used to say, you know, hey, man, if you just live a good Christian life, people are going to notice that and ask you questions. They'll ask you questions. Well, like, I mean, not necessarily, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I can... Hey, I'd... why is it that you're not having an existential crisis? <laughs> well, so Jesus. Because <laughs> uh, I don't I, I don't, know, I don't think that ever happened to me in high school. Maybe never, I was a bad Christian. Never, well, okay. You know? <laughs> Same. But... But... I was never, ever approached in a situation like that 
right. at any point in time. Right. And and I do think there is there's a difference there between like when you're inevitably going through hardship and mm-hmm. suffering. I mean, Peter talks about that in First Peter, right? Chapter four, he talks about when they see the way that you're handling suffering and you're, you know, keeping yourself blameless and you're keeping your love for God pure. Mm-hmm. He said the unbelieving Gentiles or his exact words might even come to glorify God. So, I mean, it may be a place in your life where, you know, again, you're praying for your friend. You're thinking, oh, you know, how can I talk to them about Jesus authentically? And it may be like, God's like, well, I'll answer that prayer. And with hardship. Yeah, with hardship. And your friends are like, watching how you, you know, they're being there yeah. for you. They're being, trying to be a good friend and they're watching how mm-hmm. Jesus is carrying you through this. I definitely, I a hundred percent agree with that because I think even in the past couple of years, I've seen that happen with people in my life um, that I care about. And it's, it's enormously inspiring mm-hmm. and encouraging because I think there's a tendency for me anyway, to just get into the mode of like a sympathetic hurt Right. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I see a kind of steadfastness or a kind of hope in them and the way they conduct themselves and, like, the way they hold it together. And yep. it it's it kind of floors me sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way that it's, like, it kind of reminds me that I'm not even going through it. Yeah. You know, they're the ones going through it. And they're, you know, they're holding it together maybe, maybe by the grace of God. Yeah. I mean, it's doing something for me. I already believe in God. But it's it's impossible to not take note of. Right. Yeah. And I think especially in a culture where people, I think, whether they say it explicitly or not, I mean, they're on the search for something real and solid and uh, something that they can found their lives on. Um, you know, especially in a society where everything feels so, I feel like, ephemeral and it's like, you know, it's here and gone and you're on to the next thing. When you see someone weathering the storm of suffering and hardship and, you know, whatever case of life and they're being sustained through that by Jesus. I think that is an opportunity. That's a moment where when your love for Christ is genuine and real, that's a moment when your unbelieving friends, like maybe if they're not even explicitly asking you because the reality is they may not. Probably not. But they're going to see that and right, you don't right. know what, what seed God might plant in their hearts through that, through your, you know, to use the churchy theological term, your witness through that hardship and that suffering, uh, that can be absolutely enormous, which again is not to say that you, you know, as a Christian can't have those moments when, you know, when you're suffering and you're thinking, you know, how long, oh Lord, you know, like the Mm -hmm. prophet Habakkuk or uh, having your own moments of, you know, hurt and doubt, but that ultimately you're sustained by the grace of Jesus. They'll, they'll see that. So you got to, I think, Actually, there was a there was a Scottish pastor. I think his name was a uh, Machane, Machaney, Machane. I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Robert Murray Machane or something like that. But um, he said something that I think goes along with this. He he said the most important thing for my people, and he was a pastor. The most important thing for my people is my personal holiness and relationship with God, because you know they're looking to Him. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the same is true when you're thinking about. Oh, wow. Reaching your lost friends. I think one of the most important, maybe the most important thing first is not, oh, well, how do I, you know, how do I talk to them about Jesus? The first and most important thing is your relationship with 
God. I feel so indicting. You know, <laughs> like that's the, you know, because that's that's the, I mean, if your relationship isn't real, what are you offering them? <laughs> you exactly. know? You're not offering them anything that's real. And again, they'll they'll feel that. They'll know that. And we already have plenty of public image issues with Christianity with things like that. So mm-hmm. they don't need your generic platitudes. <laughs> they need your real relationship with Jesus. Right. So that's a, just a, you know, that's for free. So that's the third thing is let your love for Christ be genuine. So we got, we want you to be a good friend, pray for them, let your love for Christ be genuine and real. I think the last thing that I would just say, and this is an encouragement, I guess, more than anything, is uh, don't be discouraged. Um, Fight me. (laughs) Ethan's like, I've been discouraged for 25 years. (laughs) But I mean, I think there is a place where I think of all the people I've talked to at the church who are like, man, I've been praying for this person, you know, oh, whether yeah. it's a mom or, a, you know, a dad or just, you know, a good friend for, you know, I've been praying for them for decades sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and their love for Christ is real and they are taking, I think, authentic opportunities to talk about their faith, have these conversations. And there seems to be no headway, right? It's like, man, they're still, they're not hearing it, you know? Yeah. I think... I would say don't be discouraged by that. And what I would refer you to when I say that is Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, and he's talking about within the church, but I think this is uh, genuinely true for this situation too. He says, I planted, in other words, you know, I came with the gospel and I, I planted the seed of who Jesus is and how he saves us and the gospel. And then my friend Apollos, he came after me and he watered that seed, right? So he continued to, to talk and, and to expound the faith and present Jesus to you, but God gave the growth. And then his conclusion is, so neither he who plants or he who waters is anything but God who gives the growth. So here's the thing. It may be that for the next 20 years, you through the way that you live your life, the way that you let your love for Christ grow and become more real and more genuine, the ways that, you know, maybe if in conversation faith genuinely comes up and opportunities present themselves and you do talk graciously about the love of the Lord, it may be you're planting those seeds for 20 years Mm. and then they may move away or you may move away and you, you know, you keep in touch loosely and then someone else comes and he's watering that seed for another 20 years, and maybe 40 years later, God grows faith out of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, are you like, are you at a place where you can like accept that, you know, because I you don't, oh, you might not get to see it happen. Right. And I'm, I love when we get to talk about how, you know, well, we had a salvation in church today, or, oh, wait, we baptized these 20 people. But I think, we can live under this idea that, well, we need to get a quick decision from our friends, Mm. you know, that, and I I do think, okay, let me add another caveat to all this. I do think there is a genuine sense of some urgency to the gospel and to reaching your lost friends for Christ, because uh, you don't know if you or they will be dead tomorrow. You know, like, I mean, that's, that is a, that's a macabre reality we don't like to think about, but I mean, that is absolutely true. I could, I could hop in my car and a semi-truck could come barreling down the other lane of the highway and just smash me dead. That could happen, you know? Who's to say? I'd like, you know, 
that's out of my hands. So I do, I do think there is a little bit of urgency about it, but you can't force these moments of faith. You can't, you can't force that. Right. And I think especially in our fast-paced society, we don't have a problem with urgency. Like that's not <laughs> the problem. You know, we're already fast and on the go and mm-hmm. running around with our hair on fire. And anytime you talk to anyone, it's, how are you doing? Well, I'm busy, you know, busy, 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 busy. So are you okay with the possibility? It could be, it could be 40 years mm-hmm. of planting, watering before God gives. You could die first. You could, you could, you could, die. that person might come to Christ at your funeral, <laughs> you know? Correct. <laughs> I mean, that is entirely uh, possible. That is, that not is, a, my <laughs> it's like, not at mine, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not <an> but I, I mean, I think I don't know. Yeah, I I think um, I'm skipping right back to point four, because um, I I think like growing up, I was under that kind of same impression. Well, maybe to kind of draw a couple points together, um, I had this kind of immediacy. Uh, I needed I needed this you know quick quick response, and it was a it was a family at the time. Yeah, guess what? It never panned out. Yeah. Never. And I was like, you know, like earnest and yeah. honest and very right. like timid, but like, oh, this is important. <laughs> I, I say it like age six. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm like, oh, Pure, you know, you're cool. Childlike. You know what also would be cool? <laughs> I didn't say that. Wasn't that cheesy? But, you know, that was kind of the gist. That was my yep. position. And, you know, at that point in my life, n- never did I understand the experience of rejection. <laughs> this is a new thing. <laughs> I was... thought I thought you just said it, you know, and they agree. And like, oh, right. Jesus is cool with me too now because you said two words. <laughs> Jesus um, was a friend of mine. You're and kidding. it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Surprise six-year-old me. No one cared. <laughs> um, but yeah, it didn't happen. It didn't pan yeah. out the way I was like, you know, I had hoped for. Right. Um, so I think even... Like those things, uh, the kind of discouragement and how we we trick ourselves into thinking that that first conversation needs to work out perfectly or we need like a quick yes or a quick conversion situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not helpful. Uh, it's not. It, it gets us hung up and quite honestly is, is, is um, not helping us do what we need to do. Right. Uh, as friends or as Christians either way. Yeah. Something about what you just said reminded me of that uh, that quote from First Reformed. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Where, um, if you haven't seen that movie, phenomenal movie, by the way, I recommend. It's a little trippy, but like it's ma- amazing. Probably mm-hmm. my favorite movie of the year. Anyway, um, that scene where, and this isn't a spoiler, everyone, just so you know, but there's a scene where Reverend Toller, he's just had this kind of harrowing conversation mm-hmm. with this character who's in the midst of despair. And they're having this conversation, and he said the conversation felt like he was wrestling with the angel. You know, every sentence mattered. Mm -hmm. But then after the conversation, he's reflecting, and he says, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he's like, but I thought of all the things that I could have said. I thought of the things I should have said, what could have been said better. Mm -hmm. And that's just reality, I think, of any, like, if you have a moment where you're being a good friend, your your love for Christ is real, and maybe, you know, you're just, you're having a moment where you're having a genuine conversation about faith. You're not going to get it perfect. Yeah. And I think that's like, for someone for like me, that's a hang up that would prevent me from wanting, like, if any of you follow the Enneagram, I'm a type six, holla, like we want everything perfect before we, you know, like it has to be like perfectly laid out. I'm a type four, I know it's never going to happen. <laughs> so like, I'd be like, well, if it's not going to be perfect, I can't do it. 
but it's not going to be <laughs> like right. you're going to have that moment, that Reverend Taylor moment where you're going to say later, I thought of what could have been said, what should have been said, what could have been said better. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You know, you're not the Lord. All right. It's not all riding on your ability to get it perfect. Yeah. Again, you're planting seeds, you're watering. God gives the growth. And I think that's pretty important. So again, be a good friend. That's pretty simple. Just be a good friend. Treat them like you, you know, don't be weird. Besides just like the natural quote unquote weirdness that comes with being a Christian and believing things like a man rose from the dead and, you know, we're going to, you know, just the casual uh, the things weirdness. like that, you know, be a good friend. A friend loves at all times, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Mm-hmm. So be a good friend, pray for them and let your love for Christ be genuine. You know, make sure that your relationship with Jesus is real and authentic and true And don't be discouraged that maybe they haven't come to faith at the snap of your fingers because you don't know what God's going to do. You have no idea, but he's included you in the process. So lucky you. Yeah. Lucky you. Oh, harrowing. (laughs) So I don't, you got any thoughts? That's good. I like little, little things, you know, um, there are a lot of resources out there that you can read on this. There's a pretty decent book that I uh, was required reading for all Liberty students, actually. Liberty University, Ethan and I attended. Perhaps you've heard of it. <laughs> um, Been there once. There was a, it's a book called, at least when I was there, it was called Evangelism 101. And it's got some pretty helpful pointers that aren't tracts and stuff. That's the <laughs> word I was looking for. I couldn't find it. You know, you're not, it's not like, oh, go hand out tracts and, you know. Ooh. Do things like that. I don't think I um, read that. Oh, that, well, maybe you had, maybe that was a different class. That was, I, okay. Well, no, okay, no, I had no. honors. I had honors. Oh, Evan 101. Well, I, I should say, this just because I didn't read it didn't, it doesn't mean it wasn't assigned. <laughs> it's like college textbooks, forget that. He's nah. a type four, he's an artist. He's like, nah, doing stuff. Think my way around it. <laughs> So, um, you got that. I mean, if you Google this stuff too, I mean, you get it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) wow. Could you imagine? (laughs) I don't know if that's real or not, but you know, you'll find stuff that you'll be able to read and say, you'll know if it's like, oh, that's like that. It's phony or that's good stuff. Desiring God has some good stuff. So anyway, there's more out there. But Mm -hmm. if someone asked me that, which happened, I would, I think those are the things I'd say is be a good friend. Absolutely. Uh, pray for them. Let your love for Christ be real and don't be discouraged um, when you do have those opportunities to talk about faith genuinely and uh, they don't, you know, lead to an immediate decision. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one more quick story. Yeah. Because that's how C.S. Lewis came oh, to faith. Right. And I love that story. I mean, because I'm sure it's, you know, told to death basically at this point. But um, C.S. Lewis is a part of this little group called the Inklings. And maybe it wasn't the Inklings when this was happening, but he was friends with J.R.R. Tolkien and (laughs) poor other guy. He's always forgotten. I can't remember his name. There's another guy. I guess that's what happens when you don't write. (laughs) Yeah, when you don't write Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia. But C.S. Lewis was an atheist, right? Didn't believe in God. And he was friends with these guys based on their shared love for mythology and fantasy and literature. Mm -hmm. And they would just, you know, get around a fire, smoke a pipe, and just talk about these things. And eventually they were talking about myths and J.R.R. Tolkien at some point very profoundly was talking about how, well, Jesus is the true myth. And that just started this thought in C.S. Lewis's head and it eventually spun its way to the Mm -hmm. point that he became one of the greatest 
Christian thinkers of all time. I think that's also a really good demonstration of how these things, the, these four points that you brought up are interdependent. Yeah. Because the relationship with a person mm-hmm. was real over yeah. this shared love. And clearly I would have no uh, trouble stating that I certainly imagine that uh, his relationship with Christ was very legitimate. Yep. And because of those two things, I think just one of them is going to leave you hanging. Yeah. Um, but working together, those those two are very critical. Obviously, the other two are as well. Yeah. But that interdependency, I think, is what kind of makes all the difference. Because you can be a great friend, but it can still sound like an empty sales pitch. Yeah. Like if J.R. Tolkien's like, okay, uh, Jesus is the true myth, Clive. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, bruh. I need you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not... But when, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien is captivated by that and, you know, he weaves it throughout his life, it's like, oof, Mm -hmm. that's still like giving me chills, you know, however many decades later. So that should have been our opener. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the more I spoke, the more I realized I need you to save this because my point was falling apart quick. Uh, so anyway, that's a great example right there, I think, is C.S. Lewis and Tolkien yeah. and poor whatever is other that other guy's yeah, name. I, I feel bad. I've forgotten who he is. That's Doesn't terrible. Matter. That guy, we're going to get to, you know, we're going to be in the new creation. Uncredited you know? role. In the scene. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be hanging out with C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. That other guy's going to be like, I was there. <laughs> hey, other guy. Like, you know, we probably won't say this in new creation, but you'd be like, shut up, other guy. <laughs> like, I'll say it. <laughs> Everything falls apart. Like, you ruined it. Like, <laughs> like oh, back to sin. Just uh, kidding. That's a joke. That's where our theology is sound here. <laughs> well, I think that covers it for this mm-hmm. episode. So if you've got questions, send them to a podcast at horizonschurch.net. I was really, try- I tried something different there. You it, know, was not as, it was I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm keeping it in. I'm not doing another one. Okay. We're keeping that one in. Zach's keeping that in, man. Bang, bang. So... Thanks for listening, guys. Mm-hmm. This is fun. Ethan's a good friend. You're, uh, you know, I... Coming right back to that. There we go. That's, that's what we Emotional investment. Yes. So thank you for tuning in with us as always, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.